Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. It's time. I'm back. <laughs> That's right. The Johnny Storm Show is back. Right here on Blog Talk Radio slash the Johnny Storm Show. Welcome, everybody. I know I've been away for a while, but hey, things happen. Transitions happen. So, here we are. And there's a lot to talk about since I've been gone, but I'll start with my own little diatribe before we get on with uh, our guest tonight. And uh, i got to tell you, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook and other places, and all everybody can do is rant and rave about Obama, rant and rave about Hillary, rant and rave about... Who knows? It's, it's a different politician every day. And the Republicans are as guilty as the Democrats. They're all one big happy family. So until you realize that they're not the ones pulling the strings and that they're all one big happy family, then you understand a little bit more about what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, You can talk about Valerie Jarrett, I guess, from the Obama administration. You know, she's supposedly pulling all the strings. And I don't doubt that. The question is, who's behind her? Because she's not powerful enough to pull all this off. So you've got the Soros, George Soros organizations. You've got the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. And that's just to name a few. You know, I'm sure there's many of you out there that can name a lot more than that. But there's a spiritual war going on as well. You've got, look at Ephesians 6, and it talks about the whole thing right there in the New Testament. And... So all this ranting and raving about Obama is going to do no good. It's not, he's not going to leave office unless he does something really horrendous. And even then, you know, everybody's counting on 2016. Well, let's get Rand Paul in there. Let's get some, you know, Rand Paul is not his father, number one. Number two, that's just a bone that they throw us every election year to give us false hope. Look at what happened with the last Ron Paul fiasco. Okay, that's what really got me going into the liberty movement. And I have no doubt that he would have made a great president, but the question is, could he have been effective? How long would they have let him live? So it's hard to say how that would have turned 
if he tried to too, tried to do too much, he would have been gone. One way or another, they would have found something to impeach him with or what have you. But they didn't even let him speak at the convention, so that shows you how crooked, because they changed the rules at the last minute. So this shows you how crooked and twisted the system is. We're dealing with sinister people behind the scenes that are throwing the money around and making this happen. Now, Obama is just a puppet on the string, and his job is to enact policies, throw down executive orders, and say, you know what, Congress, screw you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And his job is to destroy what's left of the country. And he's doing a pretty darn good job when you think about it. But that's essentially what he's here to do. He's not here to help anybody he's not, except himself, of course. So I have doubts whether or not the man will even leave office if there's not some kind of war or martial law going on by then because of the ones behind it. So we've got a couple people that will be joining us tonight. One is C.K. Quarterman. Um, if you've read the uh, show page, you'll see his bio. <laughs> the man has 13,000 plus, 13, plus followers on Facebook. And on YouTube, there, you can access hundreds of his teaching videos. He's got, I don't know, at least probably a dozen books by now. <laughs> so <clears throat> the man has credentials. And I'm also going to bring Bob Rudis into the show. He's an expert on the um, on the occult and also on the the Freemasons and the Jesuits. I mean, the man is a is a encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to the behind the scenes stuff, the New World Order stuff, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. So let's see. I'm not sure who we got calling here, but let me let me get right on it. Let's see here. Excuse my clumsiness. It's been a little while. <laughs> All right, 864, 864 area code. Is this CK or Bob? Yeah, this is Dr. CK. Hey. Hey, CK, how's it going? Fine. I just popped on. All right, well, it's good to see you back. Well, I know I was just talking about you. <laughs> well, I Go hope ahead. it's good. <laughs> yeah, I was just <laughs> I was just going through some of your bio. I mean, you've got credentials up the wazoo here, so and I can't even keep track of your books anymore. Yeah, let alone I've all the groups. New ones out actually. This came out. I've come out this year. Yeah, I saw one was about Revelation, and mm -hmm. what was the other one? What was the other one that you just put out? Uh, the other one is called Three Days and Three Nights to Glory. And uh, the book talks about who Christ is and the substitutionary sacrifice. And then it deals with the issue of what most people have never really run into or thought of or uh, even consciously thought of is what happened during the three days and th three nights he was in the grave. And we talk about oh. that. And uh, that's... that's what the... The core of the book is about is what Christ did on a cross and during those three days and those three nights. Uh, I was, and that's a good subject because I've always been curious about that. And there's a lot of debate on that that I've seen here and there online. And uh, a lot of people say he descended into hell and took the keys from Lucifer and, and came back up. So I don't know if there was an actual battle that went on down there. So he took the keys from him and then came back or what? It's, 
it's always been kind of a mystery. Well, I think you have to. First of all, you have to. There are a few things that I think you have to understand. And uh, what I talk about in the first part of the book, and the major part of it, is who Christ is. Right. And that uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are of the same essence. And I use that word essence uh, very particularly to mean that, uh, you know, when Christ was here on the earth, in Second Corinthians, it mentioned that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. But he was the same essence as the Father. Mm-hmm. Now, the three in the Godhead, uh, I talk about that, but they seem to play different uh, parts in redemption. Uh, they seem to have different roles. And... Uh, what we look at very closely is Christ's role in the process of redemption. Now, sort of giving you the the long story down to the short story is we have to go back to the Garden of Eden. And when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, of course, we all know that they sinned. But you have to ask yourself, what happened when they ate of the tree? There are two things that happened. One is they were eternally separated from God. Right. Two, they died physically. It just didn't happen right at that moment. Mm -hmm. And we come to Romans and the letters to the church at Corinth, and we find out that Christ is called the second Adam and the one from heaven and the spiritual one. And we find words in Romans like justification. And um, then we read in Hebrews uh, where Christ is compared in the Old Testament to the sacrificial lamb. And, of course, we know the lamb was had to be perfect, or tamwi in the Hebrew had to be perfect without spot or blemish. And then it was put upon the altar and burned. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened on the cross, if you remember, uh, just before his death, he states, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Mm-hmm. So we know before Christ actually took his last breath, he was separated from God. I mean, he admits as much on the cross. Right. But what's important is to understand this, is everything that happened from that moment on was in our place as our substitute. And we all accept Christ died a physical death for us, but we don't understand that he also suffered spiritual separation from God. Now, if a person dies in life and they're spiritually separated from God, where do they go? That's hell. They go to hell. Now, if Christ was going to take the sins of the world upon himself on the cross, which he did, as a substitutionary sacrifice... Mm-hmm. Where would he have gone? 
And what price well, would he have paid? Well, it, it sounds like it should be the same place, but... Well, okay, let's look at his, his very words himself. He said that the generation that he was in, there was no sign given it except that of Jonah. That the Son right. of Man would be in the belly of the earth, the heart of the earth, actually. It said the heart of the earth, the belly, for three days mm-hmm. and three nights. Now, if you go back and read the story of Jonah, you're going to find something very interesting there that you probably overlooked unless I brought it up to you. And that is, Jonah is dead in the belly of the whale. He only comes back to life when the whale spits him on the, on the shore. Because it states that Jonah lifted up his eyes being in hell. Uh-huh. And as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. He substitutionarily took our sins upon himself and substitutionarily paid that sacrifice, that price. That was the only way redemption was going to take place. Well, I'm, and I for one am glad he did it, <laughs> as I'm sure everybody else is. That's that's uh, accepted well, him as the Lord and Savior. Well, this used to be Savior. an accepted doctrine of the church. A church used to have no problems with this. You know, it's that we've gone into this 21st century and people start having a problem with this because the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ just is not preached. It's like many of these things that are in the Scripture, we've lost contact with them. Uh, oh, you're right. of the Apostles' Creed, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I grew up in the Methodist Church. Every Sunday we read the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed was written around 360 A.D. And it stated that Jesus went to hell. He descended into hell and ascended went back up. Yeah, that's and right. And this was commonly uh, read in many of the Orthodox churches up until probably just 20 years ago. And how many people have read the Apostles' Creed and never really even thought about what it meant? Oh, I, I, well, back when I, you know, I was getting confirmed in the Lutheran Church. You know, there was no meaning to it, really. It's just, just something you had to go through, and you didn't pay all the attention to it that you should have. You know? Right. And it's just it's just something you memorize and move on. And that's, right. and that's unfortunate. And, you know, if we understand that Jesus died physically on the cross, how much greater a sacrifice did he pay by taking the sins upon himself and going into hell? Well, yeah. Okay, exactly. now that might, un- then one might understand why he was crying blood in the garden before right. the cross. He knew what he was going to do. Now, and see, the whole of- scripture talks about substitutionary sacrifice. If that was where we belonged because of our sin, if that's where we belong because Adam put us there, he had to take that upon himself as a substitution. And pay that price. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And in fact, when you said, you know, it isn't preached anymore, there's a lot of things that aren't preached anymore that used to be. And a lot of that has to do with, um, I think it was 1954 when they came out with the 501c3 deal. Mm-hmm. And now 
now they can't speak their minds about anything. Without yeah, it's my favorite them. thing about that 5013C thing is if old King George of England had come up with that before the revolution, it never would have been a revolution. Mm-hmm. Because it had never been preached in the pulpits against him. Right. No, I, I believe that. I mean, once money comes into play, then a lot of things change, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't, but it does. Speaking of money, um, not to change the subject on you, but the Illuminati, the people that are behind the mask of Obama and other world leaders, um, referred to as the Bavarian Illuminati, Adam Weishaupt was the founder. Um, he was actually a, a non-clerical professor at an institution run by the Jesuits. And, um, and of course, it spread from there into Freemasonry and other things. So what about the people behind the mask, CK? You know, can you shed some light on it for us? I mean, I see so many people ranting and raving about Obama, ranting and raving about Biden, ranting and raving about Valerie Jarrett, and all the people that really are just puppets on a string. You know, there's a lot more sinister, evil people behind the scenes that we never even heard of. I mean, we can talk about the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and whoever, but who's really behind this, in your opinion? I mean, other than Lucifer, which we know that's a fact. Well, the only thing I can tell you are quotes from previous presidents. And okay. I'm not looking at them in, in front of me, so this is going to be sort of like hearsay quotes. Uh, but actually, there are in my book, uh, Fallen Angels. I think it was Theodore, uh, probably Roosevelt, that uh, made a statement. But several of the presidents made statements that uh, there seemed to be a presence in the White House that uh, managed things beyond uh, what they they could understand. Um, I think some of these men, uh, certainly there's a um, uh, human presence in getting them in the, into the office. But I think once they get in the office, I think if you, you, know, you want to use the word, their handler changes. Um, I'm not sure these presidents actually know sometimes why they do the things they do. And let me give you the reason for this is when you go back into the book of Daniel and you'll find that Daniel was praying and an angel was dispatched the day that he began to pray. But mm-hmm. the angel was held up and they said he was held up by the king of uh, Persia. And from the description that takes place, we know that the king of Persia or Tyre um Let's see, I think it was Persia, but anyway, we know this was a description of angels that were taking place. And uh, the angel that was sent to Daniel is held up uh, on his journey to Daniel by the uh, fallen angel that was over that particular land, that particular country, of of the world even at that time. 
and it mm-hmm. mentions that one of the archangels had to come and fight him so that this angel could get through. Now, if we take that not as a fairy tale but as a literal uh, thing, then that means that when we're looking at Obama, we're merely seeing a human puppet being controlled by a fallen angel. And from some of the quotes of previous presidents, you know, when I've read them and extrapolating out maybe what they're trying to say in between the words, so to speak, they seem to be saying there's a power there that they don't understand and that it um, prevails in the entire White House. So this power they don't quite understand is probably this fallen angel. I mean, America has a fallen angel over it. Russia has a fallen angel over it. And uh, these presidents are going to do the bidding of this fallen angel. I don't think there's much that uh, you know they can even uh, hope to, to do about that. It's just the way things are actually set up. You know, we think in this country here we have a free country and free elections and all of this. And there was a time I might would have even believed that. But I'm convinced now that the whole thing is rigged. And let me tell you the reason I'm convinced that it's rigged. If you and I were running for president, uh, and it was getting close, and I had dirt on you, Now, why would I keep that quiet about that dirt that I could bring out and get me in the office? There's no reason I would. Mm -hmm. Now, John McCain and Sarah Pollan knew of the status of uh, Obama's birth certificate, or lack of birth certificate, rather. Right. It, had all of that been brought out before the election, it would have ruined him. He didn't know oh, been elected. Now, here's my question, and this is what is daunting to me. How do you take a man who's been a POW of war and scare him so bad that he throws the election he's trying to win? Mm-hmm. Now, that should keep you up at night. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's it's amazing because to me. If he'd that, only I mean, brought that out, he'd have won the election, and he already knew about it. Oh, they all knew, I'm sure, and the and the media never vetted anything. You know, they, people sit here and worship Fox News on Facebook, and it amazes me because you know they're just they're just there to argue the other side. They're not really there to do anything. And I'm sure they all they all meet for drinks after work over at their local tavern, you know. <laughs> so, you know, what are they really accomplishing? Right. But they knew. They knew. They didn't bring it out, so therefore it's a setup, correct? Well, that was my point. Their elections yeah. are rigged. Now, mm-hmm. you know, when did they become rigged? I don't know when to tell you it actually happened or how it happened. But if you think your vote makes any difference in these elections, you're deceived. It doesn't make yeah, any difference. You're absolutely right. I mean, look at what they did to Ron Paul in the last election. 
Uh, they didn't even let him speak at the convention. They changed the rules at the last second so he couldn't speak. And there you have it. I mean, they didn't. They always throw you a bone every election, whether it's a Ron Paul and now it's going to be Rand for 16. And yet, at the last second, they pull the rug out. You know, but it's to keep everybody engaged and involved and brainwashed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah, written the book. Determined. It's all determined in advance, obviously. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets in without being in the club. And by the club, I'm talking about the approval of the super elites that we never hear about. They're supposedly, in the upper echelons of the Illuminati, they're supposedly a council of 13. And the head of that table is Lucifer himself, is what I've read. Now, can I prove that? Absolutely not. But it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Well, we know from a biblical perspective that there's a fallen angel sitting in that uh, that chair. Mm-hmm. You know, now how much does he control Obama? Well, I think it's obvious he controls all of his decisions. Mm-hmm. Now, exactly, you know, how this works, I'm not sure. But, you know, we know demons obviously uh, can oppress people to the point of uh, sometimes even possession. Uh, a fallen angel is much more powerful than a demon, so it could be just simply the very fact that he's there and wills a certain thing, it's done. Um, the only thing in history that has troubled me a little bit is that it seems like at different times this country has had a... Um, sort of a reprieve. In other words, somebody who is not of the group, so to speak, who is uh, an audacious leader of some sort, rises to the top and doesn't seem to be controlled by the devil. But they're the exception to the rule. They're not the rule. Right. You know, I think Obama is, is the rule. And uh, I have some real questions as to, you know, what what's going to take place here in and around the election time. Yeah, I do too. You know, I, I said that on my on my opening monologue. I I mentioned the fact that I have doubts if there's going to be another presidential election. You know, it's very possible that um, you know a war could break out. He declares martial law, and and that's it. I'm expecting something of that sort. I might be wrong. I hope I am wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. (laughs) I hope I'm wrong, but that's what it points to, in my opinion, and I'm sure there's others out there that differ, but, you know, it is what it is. So, but the Illuminati, you know, they, they get a lot of credit for, maybe they get too much credit. But my point is, is there's there's sinister people behind Obama, behind Valerie Jarrett, and all the rest that are really pulling the strings. And Bill Clinton himself is on record saying that once you become president, you really don't have to make any decisions because they're all made for you. Now, he didn't elaborate on who that was, because I'm sure he couldn't. But at the same time, you know, you got to think that it's somebody up there in the higher echelons of Illuminati or some other group that essentially tell them, okay, you're going to do this at this time, and you're going to do this at this time. And no, you're not going to get Bin Laden because we're going to use him later. 
you know, so they always have a new boogeyman they're coming up with to keep us all in fear and then take our rights away. And they're doing a pretty good job of it, starting with uh, the Patriot Act back in 2001. Well, there are a lot and, of disturbing things on the horizon. Uh, I'm watching more and more military career officers who are being sacked. Yep. And the official line is lack of confidence. You know, somehow I read into that lack of confidence is you don't hold a company line. Right, exactly. You know, and that's a little bit troubling. I've never seen a president in my lifetime, and I haven't been able to find historical precedences either of any president who has fired more generals than Obama has. No, that's very true. I mean, they're going that's down. That's very disturbing. It is. It's very disturbing. And I, I talked to a guy, um, well, he's a salesman now, but uh, his, he's got some good friends and still in the Army. And he said that it's appalling how many good commanders are actually losing because of this garbage. So, yeah, it's very true. And then you got chaplains who don't want to perform gay marriages and don't want to support the transgender stuff going on in the military. I'm so glad I got out when I did, because I couldn't serve under this guy. I would refuse. I'd be thrown in the hoose <laughs> You know, that's that's what's happening. Even, you know, chaplains, have, this guy's been in, this general's been in 19 years, and now they're going to mm-hmm. kick him out. I'm sure you've seen the story all over Facebook, but... Anyway, getting back to the, let's talk about Fallen Angels a little bit. You've written some good books on that. Uh, the Book of Enoch, for example. Should that have been canonized or should it not? I mean, it was originally, and then they took it out somewhere in the 300 AD range. Why did they do that? Well, there are a couple of words you'd have to define. Uh, one is canonized what does that actually mean and canonization means that it's accepted in the quote unquote canon or it's agreed upon by evidence of uh, popular use that it's a book which has been authored by an apostle uh, or the author you know, is one of the disciples, and it's it's recognized as such. Uh, around 325, 350 A.D., right in there, uh, I think it was the Council of Nicaea and later the Council of Carthage, but all they did actually was recognize which books uh, were in common usage and accepted as inspired. The Book of Enoch was certainly in circulation. It was certainly in circulation at the time of Christ, and the disciples certainly knew about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, And there are some people, there are some opinions that the book was a little bit too supernatural, so to speak, uh, and didn't have as much... Um, agreement uh, with the churches at the time. I mean, in other words, it wasn't as popular, possibly because of the supernaturalness of what was talked about in it. So it was not accepted, quote, as canonized. In other words, it wasn't being uh, 
looked at as an inspired book by the majority of the churches. So what we're but, left with today? Hmm? Well, I was just gonna—I didn't mean to interrupt, but what I'm say, what I was gonna say was, you know, it it really describes in greater detail what happened, you know, what caused the flooding you know, during Noah's time, and it was even ta- and Enoch's even talked about in the New Testament. Well, you can, you know, here's what you're you're left with. Uh, you're left with 66 books which have endured for 2,000 years and accepted as the canon. Now, the book of Enoch, one could agree, has historicity and does not disagree with Scripture. Right. And it does give further insight into some of it. So what you're left with basically is saying that uh, this book has great value, but it can never come up to the same bar as the 66 that have been already been accepted. Okay. If well, that makes sense. In other words, yeah, it, you know, the, it, it, it's a closed issue in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. I just I just find the book so fascinating because it really expands on on what happened with the fallen angels and so forth, but um if you don't mind, Bob, can I bring in uh can I bring in another guest here? Or, I mean, not Bob, but CK. I think it's sure. Bob here that's holding. Let's see. It's waking up the masses. That should be Bob Rudis. Hey, John. Are you there? Hey, CK Quarterman. How you doing? Hi there. Well, now we've got another Illuminati expert in here. So. Um, but the fallen angels that we were talking about, CK, um, how much influence do they have today? Well, let me leave you with something to think about, and I think it'll answer that question. Okay. Now, there's some disagreement on this, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you the way I see it, and I can I think I can back up what I'm saying. There were at least two incursions of fallen angels in the earth. One was before the time of Noah, and one was after. If you look at Numbers, the 13th chapter and the 33rd verse, you'll see that the ten spies that were sent out to spy out the land came back and said there were giants in the land. Yep. And they went on to say we're but grasshoppers in their sight. Yep. Well, it turns out... Hmm? Oh, I just read that a few nights ago. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it turns out that there were many tribes of giants. Oh... Uh, in Canaan. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, if a fallen angel mates with a human, that human uh, produces a child. That child is a Nephilim. Uh, the same word used in Genesis to mean giant. Right. Another way to say that is it's a hybrid. Now, what we don't know is in this second incursion is whether or not these fallen angels uh, got a little smarter and started messing with DNA. And did they create anything that was more human in size, you know, less malformed and so forth? If that were the case, 
you know, a Nephilim could live, you know, I don't know what the deep even be any um, range of what, what you could say their lifetimes were. It's conceivable that all of them were not wiped out, and some of them could even be among us today. If that were so, that would explain where some of the great fortunes in the world have come from. Right. Well, and then I I hearken to a show that I watched here a few weeks ago, Monsters in America, and it was a Men in Black episode, and the people that reported seeing them reported, you know, uh, blue glowing eyes or they no ears or there was some kind of deformity where they knew they weren't people, but yet they were there in front of them. And they even played the audio recordings of one of the people that were interviewed. You know, they played the tapes from the interview. And um, Well, that brings up it, a question of whether or not we're in the midst of a third incursion now. Right. And there's and some I, that think, like I do, that we're possibly already in the midst of that. Not completely full-blown yet, but started. Right. I don't doubt that in the least, based on what I, the evidence I've seen and, and heard. That um, that they're and even the story that you tell about encountering that creature in the woods, mm-hmm. you know it, um, you know that raised the hair on the back of my neck a little bit when I read that. So, you know these people are are there to tell them essentially, you you know, don't talk or else. And they're scary enough to where they don't these people don't talk. So. It, it it just stands to just stands to reason, I guess. And then you then you have to ask yourself, okay, are these the ones at the head of that table that we talked about earlier? So well, there's, the, uh, there's no doubt that there's powerful, you know, men that are head of the cartels and the banking and this kind of thing. There's no question about that. You know, you know, the question might be, are they all entirely human? Uh, you know, there could be even some question about that. Oh, definitely. You know, I, and then look at how the president has aged, too. If you look at Obama now, he looks really haggard. But that's like really that's haggard. thing. Oh, yeah, I think I've that's a good glad, thing, too. I've been glad to see that. <laughs> I'll have to agree with you on that, absolutely. So yeah, He wasn't showing any signs of stress or age or wear and tear. I'd be real concerned about what he might be. Yeah, me too. I know he's a, we've talked about this before, he, you know, in your opinion and in mine, he's a form of an antichrist, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, possible he could even turn out to be the antichrist. We wouldn't, see, a lot of people get this stuff sort of mixed up, and I don't know why they can't keep it all straight, but... Whoever the Antichrist is, if that person is on the earth today and living, you're not going to know it until the time comes that he reveals himself. Right. Uh, in other words, Obama could be the Antichrist. Uh, anybody else could be, and you would not know it until the time came that he revealed it. Right. And the Antichrist, um, at some point, is supposed to have a grave wound. Now, a lot of people, like the Van Impies of the world, have said that that's a, a shot to the head. 
they miraculously recover some. Uh, is that how you read it, CK? Is that is that no, going to be I, when he... I tend to read that a little bit differently. Okay, well, explain it, please. Well, I think in that particular verbiage and passage that's being talked about, uh, it seems. Well, let me uh, let me let me regress here just a minute. Uh, and I talk about this in the book uh, Revelation: Know the End. Uh, the book of Revelation has had two uh, foreshadowings with a final uh, fulfillment yet to come. All right. So some of what's in the book of Revelation relates to these two previous foreshadowings. Mm-hmm. One was A.D. 70. One was about 1,000 A.D., and you know what's interesting, which most people don't know this, but in a thousand, right around a thousand A.D., uh, there was a mark that came out in Rome that everybody who bought or sold anything had to have this mark on their right hand. It was a papal stamp. Okay. Literally, the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the end time fulfillment of the Book of Revelation is talking about Roman Catholicism. That's a dead issue. That's a has-been. I see it much more as Jerusalem and Arab-centric. Okay. Uh, So there's some verses in there I don't think totally apply or apply in a way differently than uh, it might would have been looked at a thousand years ago. You know, people look at it, they can certainly see Roman Catholicism in some of that. And I think the reason is because it was a foreshadowing. But the final fulfillment of it will deal with an Antichrist that comes against Israel. And the mark of the beast uh, is not a chip that's going to be placed in the hand. Uh, When you get into that kind of stuff, you're talking about people who've never really sat down and read the book of Revelation. And now this is one of the things I go through in detail in the book that I wrote because I wanted people to know what does it look like to be in the middle of the time of Jacob's trouble? What does it look like? Where you're looking at a third of then this is off the top of my head, you're looking at a third of the green grass of the earth being burnt up. You're looking at nuclear wars. It describes nuclear wars in there. You're talking about pandemics, viruses that are let loose worldwide. Mm -hmm. Um, We go back, we don't gain in technology over that period of time. We go back to a very primitive society. And you start out with about 7 billion people on the earth. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you've only got about 330,000. Mm-hmm. And you can do the math. I show you in there, every time it talks about a third or a quarter or this, you have wormwood that hits the earth. You have an asteroid that hits the earth. Everything gets bombarded back to a very primitive state. And then the final end game is dealing with Israel. And the Antichrist will either be uh, directly in charge of the the Arabs, or he will give them the um, 
what do you call it, the wherewithal to do what they do. In other words, so, go ahead. he'll be behind them, huh? Oh, no, I, I almost interrupted you. I'm sorry. Well, it talks about, for instance, uh, a lot of uh, theologians see a covenant that guarantees some kind of uh, time of peace for Israel. And I hear a lot of them talk about Antichrist signs this covenant and this kind of thing. The, 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 ver, the verbiages in the verse don't really say that. It states that he backs it. In other words, it might be like, you signed it, and I'm the big guy with the gun, and I'm really behind it, so I'll make it work. It could very okay. well be that. But so, the, the, the show will be in Israel is where the show will be. That's the Battle of Armageddon. Well, the Battle of Armageddon takes place in the Valley of Je- uh, Jezreel. And I've been there personally, and you could not put the armies of the world in the Megiddo Valley unless they literally had been bombed into almost non-existence. Okay. But you could put 300,000 or 100,000 people in there. Okay. Well, maybe that's all be left to fight. <laughs> that's you know, the point. All... By the time it comes down to the end, there's not going to be many of them to be fighting. <clears throat> right. So, I mean, but then what do you say? Beast, let me mention this while I forget about it. This is why the mark of sure. the beast isn't a microchip, because there won't be computers. There won't be satellites and databasing everybody in the world and scanning them. All that takes technology. The mark of the beast is already here. And um, all one has to do is simply read the scripture and be familiar with Greek to understand it. Um, when I first saw this, I saw it in the Latin Vulgate. And when I saw this, I could see it then in the Greek. It was very easy to see. If you look at the Greek when it talks about the mark of the beast, it says 660, 60, and 6. All right, if you look at the Greek characters for the numbers, 600, 60 and 6 turn them up on their side and it's a very close facsimile to the symbol for Allah okay. and if you look at these martyrs these jihadists in uh, uh, the Middle East now you'll see they sometimes wear red armbands Mm-hmm. Red uh, headbands. All these right. bands have the mark of Allah on it, and that's the mark well, of the beast. Yeah, and and obviously you can't buy, sell, or trade with them unless you convert to Islam. Exactly. And we've got people getting beheaded over there because of that. Um, I sure pray for those folks in the Middle East right now that are Christian. That just they're they're being persecuted as was predicted by Christ. Yeah, and I, I can almost hear somebody saying, "It's got to be on the right hand." Well, <laughs> this is why a lot of times people who aren't familiar with Greek uh, don't really know anything but accept what somebody told them. In Greek, the right hand is considered the forearm down. 
So to have a band on the form can certainly mean the same thing as the hand in the Greek. Okay. I just thought I'd throw that in. It was almost like I'm sitting here thinking somebody's thinking that. So I'm just going to go ahead and answer that. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, what about the people that are going, well, CK and Johnny, uh, what about the rapture? You know, we don't have to worry about any of that. Oh, yeah. Let's just uh, zip back <laughs> on out of here in the secret snatch in the middle of the night. And by the way, is that the middle of the night in Jerusalem or the middle of the night in America? Oh, right. Well, we're Americans. We're privileged, so I'm sure it's going to be American time. Oh, of course it will. Yeah, that's that pre-trib cult thinking there. I yeah, and it really has become who a cult. Get mad at me, huh? It really has become a cult. Yeah, I have more people who get mad at me and email me or PM me and want to know am I pre-mid or post-trib. And I'll write them back and just tell them I'm pan, just however this thing pans out, because they're trying to put you in a corner. Yeah. But if you want to, the thing I've noticed, and I manage five or six groups that I have on Facebook, and uh, thousands of people, and the thing I've noticed is if a comment comes up about the pre-trib, normal people will leave it alone. But if a person is one of these cultish-thinking people, they'll start posting and posting and commenting and commenting, and they don't stop. But it's like they've mm-hmm. got to batter you into believing it their way. And uh, if you don't, they'll get mad and block you or defriend you or talk bad about you. Yep. I, I've gone through that myself here. all of a cult. Mm-hmm. Well, what's what's sad is it's gone so mainstream now. You know, there's there's a big movie with Nicholas Cage that just came out. What was it last fall or winter? You know that has to do with the 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 books that have been written on it. And you know, uh, where did Jesus ever say that there was going to be a secret rapture? He never said that. You have to take everything he said about the end times and then switch the order of the verses around in order to make it work. Well, in yeah, in Matthew, it's you know there's a scriptural thing uh, and a principle. Well, there's several principles in understanding scripture, and one principle is to take the simplest description of what you're talking about that's the clearest and work from that. And the clearest description we have is in Matthew, where it very blatantly states that uh, the coming of Christ is after the tribulation of those days. And that's Mm -hmm. in Matthew, the 24th chapter. Right. So if you take that as fact, that he knew what he was talking about when he wrote that, then every other verse has to line up with what is plain and clear. And you'll find there's there's no verse that disagrees with that. But if you want to make a pre-crib snatching-the-night doctrine, you have to literally ignore some things and twist some things. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this, too. I've had people tell me the early church fathers believed in a pre-crib rapture. And when it comes down to it, they're liars. They're pulling something totally out of context that they know is not even right. Or they're going by what somebody else said, because I have studied it and studied it, 
And there is nobody in the first 500 years of Christianity who wrote clearly stating that there was a pre-trib rapture. Period. Right. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah, while it's all taken out of contents, it has become a cult. And, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be unprepared for what happens. You know, there's going to be terrible things that cause men's hearts to fail them for fear. That yeah, are coming the whole upon yeah, there's a whole group on Facebook. Well, they only got a couple of hundred people in there, but there's a whole group on Facebook right now that thinks the rapture is going to take place in three or four days, and uh, they're they're talking about uh, they're quit doing YouTube videos and blah blah blah. They're just waiting another couple of days, and they're out of here. And, right. Um, I told one of them, I, you know, I, you know, she got really indignant about it, but I told her, I said, well, I tell you what. I think there's some inaccuracies in where you're getting your information from, and we'll just talk about it in four days. <laughs> you know, because she's still going to be here in four days. And boy, wow. was she ugly after that. Oh, I can imagine. But, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's just amazing to me how people will get on something like that, and there's no dispersuading them. No, there isn't. And that's, you know, you've heard the story before, but that's why one of the reasons I had to leave my last church. <clears throat> before I found my new one out here, you know, I did my own studies because, you know, they he wouldn't get off of that. And and Romans 13, obey government no matter what. So, you know, the, once again, that's almost a cult as well. You know, yeah. That's not, that's not what Paul was talking about there. No, but that's how they... Yeah, you try to get that through to the average person. It's a little difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Well, CK, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, why don't you tell the folks out there where they can get your books and how to get to your sites to learn a little bit more about this? All right, let me let me do this. I've got a new thing that uh, basically that we're, the ministry has worked on here. At yep. uh, Bethany christiancollege.com we have created a Bible college that's totally online and it is the cheapest Bible college that I know of in existence Uh, think a whole year costs you maybe $300 and probably $1,200 to get a bachelor's and um, you know we've designed it uh, to be as comprehensive as we can and to be totally self-paced online and you can find that at bethanychristiancollege.com you can find my books the one we were referring to earlier is called Revelation Know the End on Amazon and a new one the Three Days Three Nights to Glory which is going to tell you who Christ is and the Father and the Holy Spirit we talk a lot about the Godhead and then what happened in those three days and three nights? And you can find that on Amazon. The easiest way to find any books I've written now is just simply go to my author's page, C.K. Quarterman, and look at the books there. I've started to write so many of them now, you can't just Google the uh, Amazon and find all of them. And um, my email is C-K-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R at gmail. 
If anybody has a question, they would like prayer. We do cast out demons. We've got a whole group that does that. So if you've got demonic problems, we had a girl the other day been uh, fighting 10 or 12 years, lupus. And uh, we cast that demon out of it. It came crying out of her. And the first time she'd been out of pain in about 12, 15 years. Wow. So um, if you need us, contact us. You've got my information. I'm on Facebook. Uh, there's not too many Quartermans on Facebook. Just look for me. You'll see a KIM Quarterman. That's me. And a CK Quarterman. That's me as well. And uh, we can help you. Contact us. And, Johnny, I appreciate you having me on your show. I appreciate you coming back. I know it's been a while, and I had some uh, internet troubles at the place we were renting, so I couldn't I couldn't do a show for more than ten minutes before I'd lose the net. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the problem is now solved. So I really appreciate you uh, coming back and and everything that you do. I mean, folks, his books are very powerful. They'll make your hair stand up if you haven't read them. Um, you know, you've written books about giants, about demons. I mean. It, like I say, I've lost track now because you're really pumping them out. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few of them out there now. Yeah. Well, What's thank that? you so much, Johnny. Okay. Uh, but I've got a few of them out there now, about six, I think. <laughs> well, I've got three in hard copies right here, and I've got some more on my Kindle, so i gotta get to, I got to catch up. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, buddy. All right, God bless you, C.K. Thank you for coming back. All right, bye-bye. C.K. Quarterman, ladies and gentlemen, you can check him out everywhere online. (laughs) CKQuarterman.com is the best place because that's where you can get all the info in one shot. So now to start the second hour of the show, we're going to bring up my co-host and friend, Bob Brutus, formerly Crazy Wolf Radio, (laughs) which is where we met. Good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Sorry, I dropped earlier. I had the, I had a canine issue here. I understand. You've got a lot of canine <laughs> stuff going on there. Yeah, Wolf somebody. Talks. Yeah, somebody at my broadcast uh, that I do now. They hear me. They hear me during the show. Fuss about them doing stuff. They're like, "Hey, man, don't don't." <laughs> he said, "Let them quit. I keep doing it. It's part of the show." But yeah, yeah, sometimes they get wound up. I hate, hey man, I hated that. I thought Mr. Quarterman was going to be on for the whole show. Well, it, it's I would have made, uh, I, I made them do the pee pee dance and wait, and I would have stayed on the whole time. <laughs> well, no, I just I figured you know we we co- I wanted to cover the the fallen angel aspect of it because I think that's between Lucifer and the fallen angels. I think that's who's influencing everything in this world. But as far as physical human beings, we've got the Illuminati. And that's where your expertise comes in. Well, so that's why I decided on the fly to just kind of divide things up a little. Oh, Johnny, how do you know how do you know how do you know if uh warm weather's finally here? Or at least how do you know that? It, you just pull a uh, tick off your you just pull a tick off your back. Ow. Oh man. Yeah, that's how, warm, that's how yeah, that's how warm we've gotten down here. I just not did that. I was like, what is this on my back? See, there you go. Background <laughs> effects. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely. You know, I believe really we get if we're going to talk about it, man. I think it's one and the same. You know, in in the garden, the serpent never said, uh, "Bow down and worship the serpent." 
You know what I mean? He never said, hey, here I am. You know, get on board. He never said that. I think we're looking at the same thing. We're looking at materialistic um, individuals that get that whole, you know, they believe in the apotheosis of man. They believe they're becoming gods. I'm not saying I'm not saying that they are right in what they are, you know, believe. I'm just saying I think that's the, what we have here. We got a bunch of men that perhaps are controlled by dark forces, but at the same time they're, you, you know, they they got this whole humanist idea. There was an article the other day, man. It said that these millennials, the millennials, are one of the most narcissistic groups. You know, a lot of things that social media. I think, <laughs> um, my friend, I think that social media has made not just children, but it's made adults into like high school twenty four seven. They're living. Oh, I don't. They're living. They're living the Luciferian doctrine. They are gods all the time, and sometimes they're big gods, sometimes they're little gods, but. You know, it's it's, and sometimes they're that God that has to pull a rock up the hill. But in they still, it, it really is. May I'm, I'm not the one that gets that gets too disheartened. But at the same time, I look at society right now, Johnny, and I'm just like, good gosh, look look what's going on. <clears throat> you know, who do you talk to, except for small groups of people? They might happen to be bigger, but still, they're a smaller portion. Who do you talk to? To actually say, do you see what's going on? Things have to change. We're going to head towards a French Revolution where, you know, it's time to bring out the guillotines and get everybody that believed in what we don't believe in. Well, that's yeah, that's my point. You know, for this show is is you know these people that are so sinister and evil that they're people we don't even see. I mean, exactly. Some of these you know, guys. It, were, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, you, you can talk about the Rockefellers and the Soroses, and that, you know that's how I kind of introduced the show. But at the same time, there's people bigger than them that are never mentioned, isn't there? It, it's interesting that you know the French Revolution. A lot of the members that had been, a lot of these Freemasons that had been what they call Illuminized back then, which is you know they got that whole revolutionary doctrine entered their lodge. Uh, a lot of these Freemasons that were part of the French Revolution, like one of the main ones, Mirabeau. <clears throat> Mirabu, you know, he talks about. He said, "For it's either him or Marmitel. Both of these guys were um, very high up in the lodges during the French Revolution, and they say, hey, you know, for just for a little bit, the hidden masters came out.' They said no one knew who they were, no one knew who these guys, you know, had ever seen them or knew them by name, but for a little bit, they came out into the public and walked in the crowd. It, you know, they, they, uh, many of these groups have talked about it. Some of them, you know, like uh Blavatsky, they get a little bit crazy saying that they live up in the mountains and stuff, up in Tibet. But they always talk about their hidden masters. And I wonder, <clears throat> I sometimes wonder, is uh, is it nobody? Is it nobody? Is their hidden master a doctrine that keeps leading them to want to destroy anything religious, anything spiritual, anything that has to do with order and not chaos? Well, that's my question, too, is, you know, you look at the anti-Christianity going on, even just in this country. You know, you can't even, you can't wear a shirt that talks about Christ. You can't wear, uh, you can't wear anything like that. You can't, um, you can't pray. I mean, I'm reading new articles every day in my news feeds that talk about this. You know, they're, they're getting expelled for this. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, when, where does it stop? And so, therefore, that leads me to believe that we have uh, a dark, sinister agenda coming, in, not just in our schools, but uh, look at all this. Look at the shows on ABC and all the major networks. 
It's all about sex, lies, and scandals. I know. You know, I was, yeah, you I know, was I watching. Was talking, a, I was talking on my broadcast today, man. The and and you know, you have to really let people know. It's like you know, I'm not a prude. You know, sex is a good thing. It's how we all come about. People, you know, couples do it. It's one of these things. It's part of life. But right. we are we are over, and it's been going on for centuries in the process, getting it to where it is now, man. We are over-sexualized. Everything mm-hmm. is about sex. Everything's about sex. Now, yep. You know, it, it's it's there. It's there, which takes me back to sort of like the old the old mystery schools when people were worshiping the phallus or the equivalent of the female. Um, and, you know, the adepts knew what the, what it actually was, but they let the mm-hmm. They let those in the crowd do get into idol worship. They were easy to control. You know, give them some sex, drugs, and rock and roll, a little bit of illusions and sorcery, and they stay in line and have a good time. And that's modern day society, John. That's a. I, I sent you something the other day. You put something up from Albert Pike, and I sent you something from an address he did in 1885 to the Supreme Council. This is before his Supreme Council address talking about the Luciferian doctrine. And he, ta- he said their their goal, he was going into these initials that are on the Great Seal, which is like DMJ, which is like God, my rights, what it's supposed to mean. But he says no. <clears throat> it actually means – Pike says it means something else. Replace the J with an I of the last word. And uh, these words refer to uh, using the initials, destruction, materialism, and imposition. Which imposed destruction on everything that resists materialism. And he had these three points, man, that you had to destroy supernaturalism. Now, that's religion. Anytime you hear the secret societies talk about supernatural, uh, it, supernatural, they're talking about religion. Destroy all authority, that's the government. And any all anti-Masonic activity would be anything that opposes them. Then he talks about materialization of the conscience, education, and of the state. Um <clears throat> I believe, Johnny, if we're gonna if, whether it's whether there's not a devil or there is a devil, what what's falling into place is right in line, because it is all yeah. about me. It's all about me, me, me. That's how you destroy a society. And I think narcissism is one of those things that, gosh, did we have it in our day? Did, I mean, were, were there already could could the older generations look at us and say that it was gradually going towards that, or has this been a big wave, man? You know, I, I think it's multiplied in the last 20 years exponentially. You know, I, yeah. you know, it really, it really has. And um, it's. I mean, I know as we get older, worse. I know as we get older, we look at the younger generation. We go, God, you know, every <clears throat> every generation does. I, I just wonder, you know, it seems like yeah, exponentially, just like more and more. The dumbing down. People are, they they'll go after things in the media that are just insane. Or they will. They'll run after things in the media that are just insane. Um, <clears throat> you were talking with CK about everything's about oh Barack Obama we got to get him he's doing this you know it's like wow <laughs> <laughs> that, not only are you just cutting off one head of the hydra that hydra can grow a head back so so keep at it yeah keep put him in jail whatever you want to do oh, yeah, Hillary emails Hillary emails Hillary emails Johnny Hillary emails <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly you know I hate to say it because I'm an advocate of of uh, at least the decriminalization of marijuana, but you know, you're, you're getting a, a culture in that area too that that um, is taking it too far. I think. I you know I I have a lot of people that are proponents that that get a that it kind of rubs them wrong when I say this, but I agree. 
I agree. There is the intelligent pot smoker, and then there's the idiot that gives it a bad name. And if yeah. you have if you have more and more dumbed down people in society, what's that mean? If more people start smoke, smoking marijuana, you have more dumb people. Yeah, I guess I've never known a really smart uh, – well, I mean, really smart people do it, okay? I'm not saying the people that do it aren't smart. No, but the, the, what, the media, the, what the media puts to us and, uh, and everything, you'll, you, it's always a dumb person. Yeah, and there's it's a stereotype cool to, be, to it. It's cool to be like that, man. My brain's all burned up. And <laughs> 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 I'm, a, well, I'm definitely an advocate for you know the medicinal use and and uh, even the casual use, the recreational use. You know, it's better. I'd rather see someone home smoking a joint than drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels. I mean, that just leads to so many more problems. But I, you know, I just don't want to see it to where you know it gives. It turns out to be bad, like you say, getting a bad name from stupid people. But exactly, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, like that's unavoidable. It <laughs> seems like everywhere it's being legalized that it's um, it's not working out too well. The, in these well, Colorado, doing, having, yeah, it, that, that, it's never going. You, you, it, it's like they say, hey, let's make it where you don't get fines; you just pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gonna, they're going to find their revenue. Money. There's no question. Yeah, and see, that's the problem. People, uh, th- that is that non unintelligent uh, marijuana smoking community that cheered for legalization. They cheered. Let's let's give it to the government. You know, look what they've done with it so far, with the criminalization. Let's let them have. <laughs> let's, let's give them more control. Let's let them be our slave masters on another subject again. Um, you, you know, man. Uh, about uh, Christianity in the church, I found uh, some interesting stuff. Have you ever heard of Faustus Sacinius? No. He <clears throat> Sacinianism. It was one of the big pushers of the Protestant Reformation and the, what they, you know, the Radical Reformation. And this guy, it was interesting, man. He uh, he had such a big effect on Christianity. And I mean, let's let's be honest. The Catholic Church wasn't some jewel that you wanted to hang out in if you really, truly believed in Jesus and, and, and his message. You know, it didn't work. They were uh, basically a big monarchy wrapped into a, a theocracy in a new world order themselves. You know, they were the world order. <clears throat> but and they still are, in many effects. Yeah, and, and I, think they're a, I think they're a player. I think they realized they couldn't do it. Long time ago, you know that, that you got to have big, big armies and stuff like that. I think they're a there, Pope Francis is along for the ride. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you just uh, but you look at the Jesuits and what and their influence. Um, you know, they the CIA is jealous of the NSA are jealous of the Vatican. I mean, the, the Jesuits are embedded everywhere. So, you know, Weissop based his even though you know they made sure it was in the order. They you could not be a Jesuit and be in the Bavarian Illuminati. It just was a big no-no. He he had his guys going around persecuting them uh, in the media at the time. <clears throat> but he used their tactics. He used their tactics. He even took from some of their – I've got a book here, man, with all the Jesuit uh, oaths, you know, the different degrees they take, all the different oaths. And he used their tactic, tactics and their oaths and their subversive tactics. It, it's funny. Uh, some of the guys that ratted on him. 
Some of the guys that ratted on them happened to be two Jesuits undercover that got in there. See, the Jesuits were, ex- were excommunicated at, the, at Weisop's time. And then I yeah, think they were. About, yeah, I think it's about 50 or 60 years later they were let back in. You know, they were let back in. But Yeah, uh, I was going to talk about this. Foster Sakinius, he got into the idea that um, there was no, no such thing as original sin <clears throat> and that it didn't matter if Adam and Eve, the whole fruit thing, we would have died anyway. Um, the idea of the transmigration of the soul, which is simply, um, what you call it, uh, reincarnation, um, that Jesus Christ, the individual, did not uh, exist until he was conceived at the virgin birth. Like, the, this was not, he was not God. I mean, there's so many things you see. This was nothing more instilled in the Templar agenda moving forward. So many things they... Um, we're stripping from it. You know, you got to remember, most people. I, t- I said, you know, most most Christians today that are Protestants wouldn't even identify with anything I'm saying right here, and I believe that's why it really is still stuck with a lot of people during the whole Protestant Reformation. It stuck with them their beliefs about the divinity of Jesus and everything. But this is one big. It's interesting to see this is one big uh, thing that was pushing it. This uh, started groups like the Anabaptist. You had the Moravian brothers, uh, the uh, convulsoraries. People convulse and act all crazy. Offshoots of this group were banned. One of them was banned. Not, well, all, almost all these groups were banned by Queen Elizabeth, and one in particular that we know about. The Puritans. They call mm-hmm. themselves the Puritans. Get your butt out of here. Y'all are nuts. You're not speaking anything that's normal about Christianity. Go to Holland. And they're in Holland. They're like, get out of here. So they're like, okay, let's try to take a boat over here to the uh, to the New World. But it's interesting, you know, we these little things in history that we learned about in school. The Puritans came over here, and this is what these guys were. They were fanatics that had completely. And even before that, man, you go back in the third century A.D. You got a guy called Origen. Origen was a supposedly supposed to be a Christian scholar that was teaching reincarnation. He was, uh, you know, Gnostic ideas. These Gnostic ideas that get all wound up in there, and they start so, as soon as hey, as soon as the guy that it's based on is dead, they're after it. It seems like every religion, as soon as as soon as that guy is gone, they're on it. Well, um, you see, you see, Obama is, and well, he's been described by many on the inner circle that have gotten out of there that he's extremely nihilistic, extremely arrogant. Um, you know, apparently maybe because of his handlers behind the scenes. So that Illuminati influence has carried on all the way through today, hasn't it? I mean, you have Jay-Z with shirts that say, do not do as thou wilt. That's coming from Aleister Crowley and, and those types. Yeah, you know, Aleister Crowley and people before him, you know, the leader, uh, one of the main talked about leaders of that group called the Assassins. He told his followers that they are no longer bound by laws of morality or religion. Do what thou wilt is now the whole of the law. So you can find it even before that. This has always been subversive revolutionary groups or subversive groups that want to fund revolutionary groups or manipulate them. They always have to release people from their morals, man. If You know, the French Revolution was preceded by a hundred years almost, if not more. Of demoralization, all these uh, people that call themselves patriots or libertarians posting quotes from Voltaire. Dude, Voltaire was nasty. 
Voltaire was nasty. He was the most vehement anti nasty anti Christian person. He called Jesus the wretch. He called mm-hmm. Jesus and the church the wretch, and he always said, "Crush the wretch." And he said, "If I had but like a few men that would follow me, I could overthrow Christianity and put it into the what was like the ash bin. It's something of history." He was <clears throat> he was nasty man, but isn't it interesting? Have these people that call themselves libertarians and free thinkers that'll post little things quotes from Voltaire. When he said, I will defend what you believe in, he was talking to the atheist that wanted to kill the Christian. <laughs> and that's what they did, man. I was, I was thinking about this. Think about being in French Revolution, late 1700s France, and you're a Christian. You know, you had these Celtic Christians in the northern France area. You know, they slaughtered four million, of, four to five million of these guys. Four wow. to five million. They were, they'd go around. They had rolling guillotines they carried behind horses and stuff. They had numbers of how many people needed to die. Orphanages, mm-hmm. which were normally ran by the church, killing the little children, man. And you had a, a vast – well, not – even though they were orphanages, man, you had a vast amount of homeless children because of all the demoralization that had happened over a, over a century there in France and in Europe. So it, it's, it, it's interesting. you know, promote, promote the population to grow, not in the good way, but through just everybody breaking down their morals. Do it here, do it there, do it everywhere, and then come in with a solution. I, I think they do it all the time. I think it, it, it's it's the little two-sided coin they have. Do what you want. Hey, do what thou wilt, and then we will do what we will to make sure there's not so many of you that will do what thou wilt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's what C.K. and I talked about was you know the, the upcoming destruction of of America and, and Great Britain too. I mean, they're nowhere to be found in, in prophetic scripture. And people can try and say, well, the ego and blah, blah. No, it's not there. You know, they're reaching. I mean, it's the same people that talk about the rapture. But anyway, <laughs> we all know could, how I could, feel about that. Could we be, <laughs> let me ask you this, man. Let me ask you this because I, you know, you, you've heard my opinion. I believe, you know, they talk about the beast. I think you can see it as a man and then sometimes as an entity. You know, this beast that's migrated all around, all around that area, man. Persia, Babylon, Greece, Egypt. Could this, could it be where that beast? Could this be where they were the controlling doctrine is at the time? Could it could be wherever the controlling doctrine is at the time, wherever you find this godless beast? You know, it talks about him. He worships himself. Well, the Bible talks a lot about um, there being different antichrists throughout history, but there's going to be one that's greater than all of them. And he's going to be literally possessed by Lucifer himself and uh, and take over. And like C.K. and I were talking about with all the wars and stuff going on during that time, there's going to be very few people left to fight that war, but that's what's going to happen at the final battle. You know, it'll be his last-ditch attempt to to prevent Christ from returning and establishing his, his reign. So, yeah, there are different antichrists and there are people that are like that. And we can look at Adolf Hitler. You know, a lot of people thought he was the one. And he fit the criteria, but yet Israel still wasn't a nation again. So until that happened, we really couldn't have, you know, the uh, Battle of Armageddon, so to speak. You know, because that's, 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 that's the last hurrah. I'm trying to remember which part of uh, uh, prophecy this is from, but could could the Nazis have been those that continue, con, uh, continue just for a short point, a short time? What's that? I, I I didn't hear part of that. 
could the Nazis be that one that, that you know? There's these different. Um, is it the heads of the beast? The one that it just continues just for a short time with control. I'm 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 kind of vague right here on remembering my prophecy, man. I have to. I should have <clears throat> schooled myself before I came on here. But you know, you have these different. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to talk myself into a hole in this one since I don't have any reference material in front of me. <laughs> we, see, we need. Well, the Nazis. Well, the Nazis actually, uh, they actually came about, and they were the, they're the new model. I mean, if you look at what Hillary's saying, you look at what Obama has said in some of his quotes, uh, and you look at the Gun Control Act of 1968, you know, that was all picked from the Nazis. And if you look at the Gun Control Act of 68, as a matter of fact, there's only a few words that are different. So, you know, Hitler you, you knew... Know you know what, and... Here's one thing a lot of people need to uh, – what, what year was the Gun Control Act of what? Oh, it, I'd have to go back and look, but it was early 30s. It was 32 or 35. Now, here it's interesting, man. Do you know that the Nazi – now, they affected a small part of the population, which happened to be your Jews or gypsies, Freemasons. Um but they were they were put they were lumped in there too. But do you know that the regular everyday German gun ownership was promoted? There were big articles on their newspaper on the front of their on their on uh, you know what is it Der Spiegel. There were big articles you know big advertisements. Gun mm-hmm. gun ownership among the among the good uh, good Nazi German, which was most of them. Gun ownership was promoted. <clears throat> I. And you know, there's so much we don't hear about that, man. Just talking about that time, so much we don't hear about that, and so much we don't. I, I don't. I don't in any pro, in any way. I don't have a problem with any religion. I don't bash any religion. I make sure people understand I'm not bashing a religion. But <clears throat> if you use religion as a guise, if you use that as a guise and hide behind it, well, something else is going on here. What was you know? What was Hitler going after the Jews? What was that in response to, man? That was the fact well, that there were a <clears throat> that was the fact that there were a bunch of communist quote unquote Jews, but they weren't Jews in the country causing trying to take control. They were trying to do the same thing that these Jews in name only during the Bolshevik Revolution that got behind Lenin. They were trying to do the same thing in Germany, so he pushed back. And he saw, you know, the Grand Orient Lodge, which is one of the homes to communism, he start outlawed them and he he was manipulated. He was manipulated uh-huh. by certain work um, books like the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. It, you know, thinking that it was a Jewish conspiracy. <clears throat> but yeah, the, the Talmud. The Talmud is another one. You know, that talks about a lot of things that Quran talks about. You know, killing the non-believers and not doing business with them unless they convert. You know, and, and people don't like to hear that, but it's true. Um, I recommend Pastor Chuck Baldwin to bring that to my attention. Uh, yeah, man. You know, things need to be. It's like I think I don't think there needs to be a hand. There, there doesn't seem to be a hands off on any other religion, man. I don't think there needs to be a hands off when examining how things have been corrupted in the Jew- Jewish religion. Also, you don't get a buy right. just because just because you claim something. I could sit here and claim to be something all day, but actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. So, <clears throat> and and. Oh, there's a lot of Christians that take offense when you start bad-mouthing Jews. I just want to let them know. Those people that were pretending to be Jews that weren't, though, there's a, there's a guy named Jesus that told them, 
You're of your father, the devil, and you do his bidding. He told the high priest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't. Uh, Jesus didn't have any time for the Pharisees or Sadducees. I mean, those were the oh. elites of the time. Dude, and they didn't even know what they're talking about. We every time we talk about this, it makes me it, it makes me laugh just out of just think about the audacity of this guy. These are the people controlling things. These are the, the mystery schools are embedded with these guys now. These that mm-hmm. that were you know he was letting you know. Of your devil, and you uh, do his bidding. <clears throat> so um, he he's, he knew that he was uh, signing his uh, this like, hey, watch this. <laughs> Here we yeah, go. Well, well I, even the mafia, you know, they're they're talking now. There's a new book out. I have to look it up again. But I watched the video of it last night, and it's on my page, my Facebook page, that um, you know Meyer Lansky and all these guys, you know, even. Sam Giuliani and all these guys were ultimately controlled by Jewish leaders. At the very tippy top, there was a there was a Jewish man involved that was pulling the strings. Because the uh, he who has the gold makes the rules. That's right. And a lot of people and a lot of people have unfriended me. They've unliked my page because of this. But <laughs> do you worship the land of Israel or do you worship the God of Israel? That is what I'm seeing a huge problem with now. In regards yeah, to Israel. Yeah, now that these same people, man, will they not, they, they get into revelations and doesn't, you know, is there, is there like this a guy that decides to go hang out there? He goes to the temple, you know, temple, and hey, look at me. I'm him. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And like, aren't they supposed, you know, you got to, this is, this is in Israel. This is in Jerusalem, right, where this is supposed to happen? Yeah. So, well, so and you're is, not. This is now going to be, unofficially, this will be. For a little time, this is going to be the devil's kingdom. So we're going to keep looking well, at that and accept everything that goes on there and everything that they do. Well, I don't want to fight any wars for Israel and have no, more sir. troops die. Because that's exactly what happened in Iraq the second time around, for sure. And more likely the first time around. <clears throat> and that's what's happening now around the world, you know, this supposed war on terror. You know, do I support what Obama's doing? Absolutely not. But at the same time, there's nowhere in Scripture where it says we need to go fight and die for the land of Israel. No, you know, we're supposed to listen to the God of Israel, you know, Yeshua, Jehovah, and His Son Yeshua. You know, if you want to get into the Hebrew. <laughs> but the, the thing is, you know, you, you see all of these posts, post after post after post, support Netanyahu, this and that. He's a New World Order puppet. That's exactly what he is. He's in charge of the Middle East, and whoever replaces him, if he does get replaced in this election, which is 50-50 last I looked, he's going to be the same thing. Nothing's going to change. So, once again, do you worship the God of Israel or the land of Israel? Right now, I have to see a lot of people worshiping just the land. And they're, they don't even possess what they're supposed to have right now. The land is divided, and the scripture talks about that. It's a land divided, and he doesn't like that. And you know, you're always against that. Let's let's take it back to what I was talking about, man. Which is very interesting, considering the uh, elections they're having over there right now. And you see who's about to take power. They, you know, they say that Netanyahu's probably going to, you know, very very possibly might lose. And you know, the groups that are coming into power are socialist communist groups. <clears throat> guess 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 what their government was started as back in back in the forties and everything. Guess what it was? It was a socialist. It was they wanted the same thing they wanted 
before Hitler went after them. They founded right. a socialist government. Uh, not the kind of socialism his his country was. His was sort of a mix of fascism and socialism. <clears throat> but they founded this socialist slash sort of communist idea there in Israel. Some of the biggest and some of the biggest terrorist acts that were uh, done in the 30s and in the 40s on British troops in Israel, in that area, were by these uh, splinter groups of uh, these communist, quote-unquote, Jews in name only, that had uh, escaped from Germany. And they were over there. <clears throat> now, like I said, I don't justify anything Hitler did. But they were over there blowing stuff up, man. Keeping uh, – there was at one time, I think there was like 10,000 British troops in this one compound. They were able to keep them in there just by blowing them up, killing them at random, robbing their – you know, and the British didn't have any right to be there, but <clears throat> it's interesting. That's always the jewel, man. To the secret societies, what you know, they don't particularly have any belief in in the, any spiritual aspect of it. But like your whole Merovingian bloodline, that's their jewel. They believe that that's where they got to. That's where their little seat of uh, rulership will be from. Right there in Jerusalem. I think some. that's why you see such a struggle. That's why the Russians held back the Jews that wanted to get the heck out of Dodge, man, during the Bolshevik Revolution and afterwards. They're like, no, 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 you got to stay in the country. It's not time to take it back yet because you regular uh, Orthodox Jews, we can't have you going there and starting a country. Mm-hmm. we got to put our guys in there. we got to put our guys in there. <clears throat> so... Um, and that was a big struggle. You were talking about bankers during that time. You saw, um, gosh, it's always upside down. Rockefeller funding Lenin. Then Rockefeller funding the group going against Lenin because Rockefeller was trying to get – they wanted to get people into um, the Jerusalem area. And then the Hasbergs funding, funding the Russians to make sure that they kept them in the country you know, because they wanted to make sure that they were the ones that got their little bloodline on the, on the crown. Over and over and over. It's just a big. It's a big bunch of inbred people playing games, under under so, some, under some evil influence. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, look at the royals now with the uh, the sex scandals and this and that with children. You know, and I just I gotta say this. My wife and I watched this movie a few nights ago called The Purge Part Two, and I won't give away the movie, but it was creepy as you know what. But the creepiest part was. How these super rich scumbags, is what I would call them, would pay money to people who are sick or dying or whatever, you know, a hundred grand each to to be killed at this big gathering they had because you know during this twelve-hour purge, murder is legal. And the thing about it is, that's not far from reality. These people actually do that in secret. Where do you think all these missing kids go? You know, that's how sick and twisted these individuals are. And you hear about sex and with boys in the White House going all the way back to Bush Sr. And probably before that, but, you know, Bush Sr. definitely. Um, so going, getting away from that now, let's rewind back to Albert Pike and what he had to say about the Third World War. He predicted the first two really well. And what year did he do that, Bob? I don't know what year that that letter to Mazzini was written. I think it was 70s. It, you know, Mazzini, it, it was probably 70s because Mazzini was dead by 80. I mean, by like 1880s. So. <clears throat> okay, so you're talking yeah. late 1700s. 
I mean, late 1800s, but it was, I think it was what I was saying, like, the 1870s. It was probably around in that oh. time. Okay. So, he wrote this letter, and he predicted the three world wars. Now, there is some dispute whether or not he wrote it or not, but it really doesn't matter, because if you look at it, it's been pretty yeah. accurate, hasn't it? If you read about the life of Manzini and all the revolutionary groups he started and the goal that they were going towards... Even if it's not a real, even if it's uh, not a real letter, it's it will it was what the goal that they were going towards. <laughs> it really was. That, that's why I always tell people it doesn't matter if it's a because Manzini was the operative guy. You know, Pike was like this dogmatic guy. He was like this dogmatic guy. Manzini was the he was the revolutionary. He was the one that was at it all the time, causing chaos. Um, and the things he did, and the the normal correspondences between him and Pike. I mean, they, they are proven. <clears throat> you know, they're talking, so we can't ever let anybody know what we're doing. They said it eloquently, but they said we can't ever let anybody know what we're doing. We have to make sure we have to dangle some object out there that they always think they're going to achieve so that we can keep on moving the revolution forward. But yeah, dude, everything that everything Mazzini was doing and Pike's ideas, if you roll them all in one, that, that letter's not too far off. And I, in my opinion, I believe that it's authentic. I believe I think it's sort of been reworded at times, you know, to fit certain things. Like they talk about, uh, it, they say, you know, if you read in there, it says Israel. Israel wasn't a state at the time. Sometimes people will put Israel, you know, it should, uh, it should, it should say Zionist. You know what I mean? Some people, will, right. you know, and, Zion, and Zionism at that time, man, you know, right around that time in the mid in mid eighteen hundreds, had really started taking a root in Russia. You know, this whole idea of getting back to a homeland, getting back to a homeland, this whole uh, – in different in – different, uh, especially not necessarily among the Orthodox, but more among the Reformed Jews, <clears throat> this idea about getting back to Israel it had really started taking hold. So, you know, they knew about that, and it was called the Zionist movement. This guy that got it going, they knew about that. And so it's not too far off that it, that could have been a letter, and that was what they were up to. But World well, War III, it, it, it seems that everything that he wrote in there seems to be panning out a little bit, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it says right here, I've got it in front of me, that they're going to cause, um, you know, they're going to have an Asian tour of the Illuminati between the, they're going to take advantage of the divide between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. So the world, the war must be conducted in such a way that Islam and political Zionism mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on the issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. Now, isn't it interesting, Johnny, that during this time, you have your latter, you know, you're in your latter, um, it's the last century of the Ottoman Empire. And for quite a few centuries before, uh, even though it's, I guess you could call it, it's upstart, it was kind of brutal, the way they, you know, it was spread by the sword. Pretty much in the last few centuries of the Ottoman Empire, your Jews and Christians and Muslims lived side by side, and among many leaders, they had equal rights. It would it would vary from person to person, <clears throat> but the Jews tend the Orthodox Jews always tended to be the teachers. Uh -huh. they, whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew, you were sending your that's where you in the Ottoman Empire. It's usually where you would send your children. Isn't it interesting that they needed to bring in not the Orthodox Jewish, they needed to bring in the Zionist Jew, Jewish element? I, I think that's very interesting in that letter. 
in order to cause yes, chaos, in, in order to cause this chaos and cause a schism between <clears throat> Islam. You know, I've read a whole. I've done even more and more research into Islam, and I will always say, yes, it's monotheistic. It lacks any spiritual aspect, I guess you could say, in a way. <clears throat> you know, not um, not not too much spiritual aspect, and it believes in spreading it by the fire. It, you know, fire and the sword. The, 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 it's mm-hmm. one of the tenets of it. But it's also interesting to look that people that follow. Judaism and Christian or and Christianity and are doing it by the book, <laughs> not not a, a cab not a capitalist and not someone that's gone off into one of these Gnostic Christian cults that's not Christian, but people that are still following you know the old words of Moses and Abraham and everything. These are the people of the book. You couldn't you could conquer them, but you could not subjugate them and turn them over and make them become Islamic. The pagans you could. <laughs> and a lot of people, you got to understand, man. These Zoroastrians, these uh, these Mazdekians, these dualistic uh, groups and religions that were in the area at the time. Uh, it doesn't matter if you had founded Islam; you'd probably want to get rid of them because they were pretty. You know, they were pretty rough. You know, they led mm-hmm. people in all kind of crazy cults. Sometimes to do weird things like human sacrifice and everything. One of the one of the big beliefs that in Gnosticism, man, is that Everything that is material is evil. Now you can see how that's influenced Christianity some in the past. You you know some people they believe in music, everything it's evil. Some religions even get I can't remember which one it is, Church of God or Church of Christ. They're like you can't have music, you can't have any of these things. <clears throat> and so uh, you know it, a lot of it has made and then and so therefore therefore it can be destroyed. Therefore, it can be destroyed, and it's a good thing to destroy it. That, that's their ideas, man. That's how they've been able to – these Gnostic cults have been able to influence uh, all these secret societies over time. You know, sometimes secret societies are started for a good uh, good means. You know, the Christians were a secret society. Yeah, they were. They're silent. You, and I would, you and I would come up to each other and draw a, two two lines with uh, with a point connected and the other sprayed out to make a fish. Mm-hmm. You know, little just two, two. You know, like in the dirt, do a little quick swipe, and if you understand, there were other things. They they actually developed certain handshakes and stuff, and they met in underground places. But unlike a lot of secret societies, they did not do it to influence the masses. They did it to stay away from a mass of people that wanted to kill them. <laughs> they had to take it. They they had to take it underground. Um, <clears throat> Saint Augustine talks about what he called the Christian mysteries. And he said, because of all of that that took place during that time when they were persecuted, that even he believed that there were things that were held back from from everybody, things about Jesus. You know, as far as his, you know, things that were held back for they weren't revealed because people had got this whole scared idea. And then when it, you know it was taken on, it's okay to do it. Uh, somebody's gonna. That's what really gets me. You got these people that come in and say, okay, we were worshiping Mithra and. You know, just not long ago, doing some human sacrifices and throwing you guys to the lions. But you know, everything's okay now. We're going to be Christians. We're, we we've decided we're going to be Christians. Half of our priests have decided they're going to be Christian, and you're you can equally number them in there. We'll have this Council of Nicaea thing, and hey, Christianity, Johnny, 
Well, a, a big council will decide on what books go in, what books are left out. <clears throat> that that's what really gets me. Um, with you know, a lot of people will go after different books that that should have been in the Bible. It's like you know, a bunch of old men sat back and decided what went in there. Well, and that's a, one of the things we I talked to CK about regarding the Book of Enoch. Why was that not um, concluded? And you know, they just thought it was too risque, too supernatural for them. So therefore, they maybe it was it like maybe it was like a radio station. Most mainstream radio stations they don't want any conspiracy theories on there. It's too radical. Oh yeah, maybe they, that, maybe, they, what, maybe that was the thought. These guys, you know, they want to keep control. They they want to keep control. They don't want anything like that. That that could lead to people thinking of uh, revolutionary actions, Johnny, against giants. <laughs> you know, but, but no, but but no, but what I'm saying, perceiving people in power, these rulers, you know, these are these sons of gods that are ruling. These are these mighty men, perhaps. Start putting that in context. I don't know, but uh, there were things that were left out because certain men that weren't even Christian at, at one time who decided they were going to be because Caesar said it was so. Um, they decided what get to what you know what made the what made the cut, what made the cut. It would be like me sitting back and deciding what Buddhist texts need to make the cut. I'm not Buddhist, but you want me to sit back and tell you what texts need to go in there? Well, yeah, this one, this one's a little bit out there. We don't want that one to go in there, and didn't even understand. You know, did not even understand what what the whole concept was. They were still and what was it? Old Bill Cooper said. And immediately the the pantheon of gods and goddesses became the saints, and you became the subjects. Now, you know, getting back to that god type complex, I mean, I, you know, it's almost like, you know, from what I've been reading, it's almost like they've given Netanyahu that godlike status where no matter what, we got to support him and and the people of Israel. That, that was spooky. Now, that speech thing, everybody's standing up. That, that, that's like a that's like uh, that last movie in the Star Wars thing that they had out. You know, remember the emperor? He's up there. He's been all yep. he's been all uh, laser fired and looking all weird and get up there giving a speech and everybody's cheering. It's like, oh my gosh, oh, look at this! Everybody, all of them, they're jumping up like they they're jumping up like they have springs in their seat. Yeah. Yay! Yay! And I'll Yay. be the I'll be the first to admit, up until 2008, I was in that group. You know, I'd have been the first one jumping on the Netanyahu bandwagon, and and uh, you know, I believed in the rapture up until that point. Until I had that fateful meeting with my pastor, but you know, and thank goodness I did. But uh, you know, the more I've studied scripture, and you know, I just got done talking to a 90-year-old um, ordained minister who's done a lot more study than I have. You know, forty plus years of it, and he's like, "Well, if you look at scripture, even from the Old Testament forward, if you look at Ezekiel, it talks about the end times too." And Israel is essentially destroyed. You know, they they cease to exist as well as far as a, you know, their government goes. That's right. Yeah, you know, they're done. You know, <laughs> now Jesus is going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, but the point is, you know, do you think that Jehovah's endorsing everything that they do over there? Or that what the Mossad does, you know, these assassinations and so on. Because they don't have a law over there against that. We do here, but not saying we not saying we uh, observe it anymore, but, you know, that law is still in place, that we're not supposed to assassinate world leaders and so on. 
but they don't care. They do what they want. So, and they're, everything is playing into that letter. They're playing right into the hands of, of, of the Illuminati and exactly what they want them to do. And you see it on Facebook. Oh, let's kill ISIS. Let's do this. ISIS was created by us, people. We yes. did it. The yes, whole world had, knows it. <laughs> we, we the whole to, world you know, knows it. We keep creating these guys. Uh, they, yeah. they are, they, they're, there's little psyops. Now, I'm not talking about the the ones that are being drawn into it, your low-level guys. That's like the assassins. You know, there were plenty that didn't go up in the ranks. They were just dupes that came in there and thought they were going to go to paradise, and they'd go off and kill somebody for the grandmaster. Right. And that's what a lot of these guys are, man. They just get dupes that are willing to sacrifice themselves. But at the top, they understand this isn't about Islam. This isn't about this. That This is just about causing chaos. They, right. they need they need as much chaos because they have the solution. That's all, that's what I believe. They need they need as much chaos generated, whether it's somebody going out and shooting a bunch of people in public, or ISIS, or Putin. They need as much chaos as they can get in order so that they can have a solution. I I think that they're going they're trying to gin up a conflict with Russia so that we can do exactly what was talked about at the Alta conference. When you had Stalin and Roosevelt and uh, Churchill, <clears throat> this idea that okay we're going to be we're going to be against each other, we'll be opposed to each other ideology, ideologically, but we will have military actions together. We will have a military police. You know that was one of those whole things that they were putting together before the idea of the United Nations was that yeah. Russia and America would be still be opposed to each other ideologically, but we would have a world police that would control things and make sure we had peace. Peace, Johnny, peace. <laughs> and you still see that effort today. You know, Obama's trying to put us under UN mandates. Remember? Don, um, tell, remember what he tell Medvedev? Tell you know, tell tell Vladimir I'll be able to do more I'll be able to do more after the next election. Remember that? Yeah. Remember, yes, I do. Know, like, like, oh gosh, the puppets just got caught talking to each other. Uh oh. I I remember uh, <laughs> Obama shaking hands with Gaddafi in two thousand ten. And then turns around and bombs the living crap out of them in 2011. So that's where ISIS really got going. I mean, there's pictures of American special forces in with them, embedded with them in Libya. And that whole Benghazi deal was nothing more than an arms deal gone bad. And like Hillary said, well, what does it matter now? Well, yeah, you've got Stevens and a bunch of other former and current Navy SEALs dead. They wouldn't let them get any help because dead men tell no tales. Stevens was there to facilitate arms deals so they could go over and mess with Syria. And that's exactly what they did. And Syria's being a little tougher than they thought, so now they're having talks again. But Syria and Iran, the two so-called bad guys in this whole scenario, are the only ones that don't have a central bank. The rest of the world does, but they don't. And people... They ignore that too. They're, oh, we got to kill ISIS. We got to kill the Muslims. No, you don't. <laughs> These guys don't know what they're doing. In fact, there's an article I saw today that says some of these ISIS fighters on the lower level are w- dressing up as women so they can try and escape the fighting because they're getting that. their butts kicked now. I saw that. I was like, man, is this propaganda or is this true? Either way, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either way, it's funny. But I mean, I don't doubt it because. Look at what happened to Saddam Hussein in the first Gulf War in particular. Massive, massive surrenders of these lower-level troops. 
They don't want to fight us. No. They want nothing to do with us. No. But no, they were they, they were fight. held at gunpoint and told to sit in your foxhole, you know. Oh, uh, that's historical, man. You can go back to uh uh some of the old Persian emperors and everything. They would Babylonian emperors, you'd always put the slaves and stuff in front. Mm-hmm. That that would be your cannon fodder. You'd always put the slaves and in front, slaves and the expendables, and then you keep your, you know, you keep your well-armed military in in the rear, and they take care of whatever comes through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now we have that influence going on today, and it's playing right into the into the letter that we just got done reading on the air here, Albert Pike's letter. It's just it's right there, and the ultimate goal is to get everybody to worship Lucifer. So uh, he says that. At the end of the um, at the end of the letter here about the Third World War, anyway, this is Christianity, whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, brought finally out in the public view. There it is, and that's what we're really up against. Now, these people behind the scenes pulling the strings, making everybody hate Muslims, and the Muslims hate Christians, and yada, yada. It's it's, it's written out right there in front of us. Yeah, but, and <clears throat> if you really pull back all the crap that everybody throws in there, they're not the same, you know, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing, but there's a lot of parallels in there. You can go, wait. You know, why would we fight? Why would we fight? Well, you're going to fight because the people are going to keep pushing you to fight. Like, hey, right. hey, you got to get that guy, the bad guy. <clears throat> He's coming to get you. He's coming to get you. Yeah, the, the the Israel thing bothers me. The people worshiping Israel, like you said, it, it disturbs me to no end. And I believe that this is one thing that perpetuates in the mind of a lot of good-meaning people in this country, man. The want to go over and kill ISIS, kill ISIS, get these guys, get those guys. Yeah, and as Pastor Chuck Baldwin said in one of his recent columns, and we're going to talk about this on Wednesday. Um, killing in the name of God is wrong no matter who you are, no matter what religion you represent. And yet they've all done it. Indeed. You know, from, they they from make the songs Jews about to it. the Muslims. Yeah. The Jews Onward to the Muslims Christian. to the Crusaders. Onward Christian soldiers. Yeah. Onward Christian. I, I was like, I wonder if that's if Jesus would have, if Yeshua would approve of that song, man. I, I don't think so. I don't think that's what he meant. By putting together armies, but yeah, you know, I have heard a lot of people be apologists—not well, apologists, but defenders—of the Crusades. It's like guys, once again, cannon fodder because somebody wants to take control of a little jewel there so they can have that land. And everything that led up—you know—there was so much political crap and everything that led up, like, to the First Crusade. And what about the one we don't hear about? Have you ever heard of the Children's Crusade? <clears throat> no. The, Oh, yeah, man. This was in, I think it was in between the second and the third. And this was a group of young children throughout Europe. They they boarded boats. We're talking about thousands of them that sunk in the Mediterranean. And they were agged on. They were agged on by the public. These young children being, and the ones that didn't sink, the children were taken as slaves. The children were taken by pirates as slaves. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that really worked out well for you there. Uh, doing all these different crusades. The third one was simply political uh, posturing through accounts. It was like the Council of Vienna, I think, with the Pope. Just political posturing, man, to, uh, because it was the central. It was a central trade route. 
And you had all these Viennese um, businessmen. They're like, yeah, we need to get this. This is a central trade route. Get them coming from Africa to Russia. Get them coming from the Middle East to Europe. <clears throat> you know, we're right here at the center. We're at the crossroads. Yep, man. I just I just pulled up an article here from LibertyForLife.com. It's a good website if you haven't checked it out. American capitalism gone with a whimper. And it talks about uh, how Obama's changing us into the USSA. And the first way he did it, and the way they've been doing it for years now, especially with all of the um, entertainment choices that we have now from just the internet itself to, you know, Netflix and everything else. First, the population was dumbed down through a politicized and substandard education system based on pop culture rather than the classics. Americans know more about their favorite TV dramas and the drama in D.C. that directly affects their lives. They care more for their <clears throat> right to choke down a McDonald's burger or a Burger King burger than they do their constitutional rights. Then they turn around and lecture us about rights and about our democracy. Pride blinds the foolish. So there you have it. That's a pretty good summary, I think. That pride blinds the foolish. And let, look at it. I mean, iPads, iPods, everything else out there. And heaven forbid that goes down. What happens? What's going to happen to these people, Bob, when they their iPads don't work anymore? Or their oh, iPhones they're not. Don't work? They're going nuts. They're freaking out. That's when. That's when. The, that's when that next French Revolution starts. Because it, I mean, turn, it, it would be it would be chaos. It, it truly well, like, would be chaos. Well, when Revelation talks about the third of the earth burned up by fire, well, that's nuclear war. And I'm telling you, folks, your iPods and iPads and everything else are not going to work because with nuclear explosions comes what, Bob? EMP. Besides the, yeah. EMP. EMP. That, take, that takes out everything. That's why. In fact, those, well, those listening, just real quick, if you can find a car or a truck that's 1986 or older that runs good, buy it. Because that's the only stuff that's going to work after that. Yeah, there was uh, some video up. They said it was from over in Ukraine, and somebody said, oh, it was a nuclear bomb. I'm like, no, that guy kept filming after that. <laughs> <laughs> I said that guy kept on his camera kept on running. That there would have been a, uh electronics would have been zapped. At that at that right. range definitely electronics would have been zapped. And that's the thing, you know, people get in and they think about nuclear warfare and they think about all these big huge kiloton bombs that could be dropped. Honestly you don't want to destroy if you're trying to take over something, you don't want to destroy it. But you could you know, tactical takes out a few something that takes out a few uh city blocks. But at the same time, you got an EMP that takes out all the electricity and for miles upon miles. It's going to start frying stuff. Yeah, especially the Absolutely. way everything's connected, the way everything's connected, and everything. <clears throat> so uh, I, you know, I think what they want to do, Johnny. This is just my uh, hypothesis, my opinion, my theory. I think they want to push us to the brink where we have a, a nuclear ex- exchange, maybe of a you know a couple on each side. So people will sit back and go, "What did Pike say?" They will see all the origin of savagery and blood, you know, bloodlust and stuff about in that third. Absolutely. Uh, and so they'll see that and they'll scare the living bejesus out of them. <clears throat> you know, it's like, oh, such and such city was decimated; it was turned to ashes. Oh, what could we do? It could be us next. 
Please, Johnny, please bring out the Luciferian doctrine for everybody. <laughs> oh, they'll be begging where's for it Albert then. Pike? Yeah, where's Albert Pike when you need him? Right. Come on out. We need it. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's what they they need something to scare the heck out of everybody. And I think they've realized over time their UFO deception's not going to work. Uh, just simply trying to trick people into it, it's still not going to work because people are going to be too lazy to be good slaves in the new world order. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so you got to do something to scare people into, into their little humanist, uh, communist new world order. Where hey, you get to worship yourself, but you got if the guy above you has a better status, you got to worship him even more. And eventually, you know, oh. like within in the lodge, somebody will have the supreme reign over everybody's spirituality, what you should believe, what you should not believe. You know, your doctrines, the things you shouldn't believe. All <clears throat> it, it's not going to be good. It's coming. I, bl- I believe it is coming, and I believe it's not going to be good. No, it's not. And there's, there's, the Bible, the Bible spells it out. Men's hearts will fail them for fear for what's coming upon the earth. Now that can mean a lot of things, but uh, nuclear war is definitely going to make men's hearts fail them for fear. No question. Indeed, I, indeed, and you know, people don't have the intelligence. I'm sad to say, the the majority of people don't have the intelligence to deal with uh, deal with their oppressors. They've been. Well, they, don't, they just they don't want to face it. This is the biggest problem. And they want to keep their heads buried in the sand and think it's all going to go away and get better once Obama's gone. Well, I got news for you folks, it's not. Whether Obama stays in office <laughs> or not, after 16, it's not going to get any better. If it's, Bush it's had been in worse. office, if Bush had been in office for this, if this was his fourth term, everything that it, it wouldn't be any different, except you wouldn't have Obama in office, and there probably wouldn't be as much race baiting going on. Right. So you know, but you know that they needed that part. They need you know you get to divide and conquer. Yeah, you know keep on. My word exactly. <laughs> keep on. Keep My word exactly. Show everybody that awful thing of savagery and atheism and bloodlust and everything, so they finally rise up and stamp out their neighbors. But we got to get them. We got to get ISIS. We got to kill them all. Kill them all. <laughs> Well, Bob, we're getting the last couple minutes here. Um, what do you got going on now? Uh, let the folks know so they can check you out. Uh, broadcast Monday through Thursday from 4 p.m. To, uh, to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Truth Frequency Radio. TruthFrequencyRadio.com. Awesome. Dot com. <laughs> of course, yeah. Go <laughs> say that because they might not get it, you know. <laughs> So I want to thank you for coming on again. And um, Oh, thanks for having me, man. I've enjoyed it. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. So, you know, stay in touch and let me know when I can pop on, and I'll do my best to make it make the time to do it. All right, cool, sir. Thanks for having me, man. You, you have a good one. All right. All right, you too. Take care later, man. That was Bob Brutus from, uh, well, truthfrequencyradio.com. So you can check him out over there. And we're down to 90 seconds, so I want to thank everybody for coming back to the Johnny Storm Show. And please remember, this isn't hopeless. There's always hope in Christ. And if you don't want to believe that, well, I guess I'd rather believe him and be and be wrong than not believe and, and be right. So that's my take on it. But you do what you want. I'm all about freedom and liberty as well. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm here to get a message. Get a message across, because I am the watchman on the hill. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time, which will be Wednesday night, 
Same time, same channel on the Johnny Storm Show. Take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.